Welcome back to End is the Future, a podcast that brings together great minds to address the opportunities and challenges of making businesses both sustainable and profitable. I am Ilham Kadri, and I'm delighted to be your host today. If you are as passionate about sustainable business as I am, let's explore how End is the Future together. Today, I am thrilled to be speaking with my good friend Bertrand Picard, one of the greatest explorers and pioneers of our time. Bertrand shows us over and over that the impossible is possible. He made us dream by flying around the world and we flew with him without burning a single drop of kerosene in a solar-powered plane. And I'm so proud that Solve flew with him by providing 6,000 parts for his plane. And guess what? He made it around the world in just 23 days, faster than Jules Verne with his 80 days. Bertrand, thank you so much for being here today. Ilan, it's such a pleasure to be able to speak with you. I I thought we could start with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yes. Always excited. <laughs> For your holidays, uh, Bertrand, beach or mountains? Both. Beach mm. in summer for kite surfing and mountain mm-hmm. in winter for skiing. <laughs> if you could travel back in time, Bertrand, and meet anyone, anyone, who would it be? I would like to meet all the big prophets of our time. Jesus Christ, Mohammed, Buddha, all these people who brought disruptive messages and changed the world each time they 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 were living on earth. That I think that would be fantastic to see the the common value that they all brought because usually we see all the differences and it makes wars for religions. I would like to see what makes them all together in the same essential message. Wow. I didn't expect that answer. It's, it's no, inspiring. You asked yeah, me. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. You asked me. No, no, so, it's, so it's, I, it's fabulous. <laughs> it, it makes me think, actually. You're right. You know? uh, imagine now you are stuck in the, on a desert island and can only take one book. What would it be? I wouldn't take a book. I would <laughs> take a music. Ah, I would okay. take a music. I would take the music from Leonard Cohen. Because no, Leonard Cohen makes me fall into a trance of hypnosis each time I, I listen to him. And uh, it makes me get more in relation with myself, with my inner self. The book, once you've read it 10 times, you know it by heart. But the music <laughs> is always something that renews itself. Maybe you can take both, by the way. <laughs> well, what's... Um... What's your superpower, real or imagined? And what would be your soft power? Um, my creativity. Maybe, maybe you know, the, the fact that I don't believe that something can be impossible. So, so I try. I, I'm not afraid to fail. And I know that if I try one more time than the number of failures, I will succeed. So I think this is really what drives me. <laughs> driving, flying, flying, or sailing in the future? Flying. 
<laughs> again, again, and again. <laughs> and finally, again, you know, you know yeah. what, what, what I find extraordinary is that sailing and driving, it's obvious. Yeah. Flying for me is still a miracle. Yeah. Can you imagine that for thousands of years, people have been dreaming about flying and it happened only at the end of the 19th century. Yeah, the, the, right. the, This is something extraordinary. And maybe now we forget a bit the magical of it when we see low-cost mm-hmm. airplanes taking mm-hmm. charter passengers and so on, but it's, it's still magical. And the next magic would be to fly clean, to fly yeah. more efficient, to fly without CO2, without burning any fossil energy. So, so the dream stays alive, you know, with aviation. <laughs> Absolutely. And since you are an explorer, if you had to choose in the future, would you prefer to explore space or the deepest depths of the ocean? Honestly speaking, I'm sorry for my father who was exploring the depth, <laughs> but I would explore space. I would love to go on Mars. You know, the, the moon, it's done already 50 years ago. But yeah. Mars... That's something interesting. I'm, I'm really keen to see what's going to happen. And if I can travel there once, yeah, I would be interested. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. And uh, no, so for now, I mean, that, that was serious enough, but let's get to different seriousness of, the, of, of our interaction. So you are really one of the great explorers of our time. I mean, each time I'm hearing your story, what you've done, the passion, I hear even... Uh, people talking about that tour of the world that saw it just amazing is inspiring it's contagious positively and i know that's it's literally in your dna as both your father as you mentioned and grandfather were famous explorers so as i was wondering w- was there a particular moment in your life uh, bertrand that really sparked this passion yes yes it was in july 1969 and I remember very well the moment my, my father had started his drift mission with his submarine for one month diving in the Gulf Stream. That's this current so important for the climatology of the Northern Hemisphere. And one week later, I was invited to witness the launch of Apollo 11 in Cape Kennedy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, 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 I was so elated by what I was saying. And I thought, this is the type of life that I would like to have. That's wow. the life for me. I want to be an explorer. I want to go where no one has gone before. I want to do things that are considered impossible because it drives so much fashion, so much excitement, and it is so useful for others. And since yeah. that moment, I always chose all the options in my life where I had to say yes to explore something new or to do something new. So in the beginning, it was not very, very spectacular. But then it became a bit more exciting. It was uh, flying with the first hang gliders that were coming in Switzerland, the first micro-life airplanes, then accepting the invitation of a Belgian pilot, Wim Verstappen, to be his yep. co-pilot to cross the Atlantic. That was in 1992, exactly 30 years ago. I was not a balloonist. I was a hang glider pilot. I was a medical doctor. And I told him, yes, of course I come because it was new, because it triggered my passion for innovation. And then the flight around the world with a balloon, then the flight around the world with soaring pods. You know, each time I think I have the compass in my heart where the needle was showing the unknown. Yeah. 
instead of the north. It was wow. showing what was still to be achieved and that nobody had done. So it's it's a state of mind that I have since my childhood. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear, you know, how much we are shaped by our childhood. So the story of your grandfather, Auguste Picard, is fascinating as well, Bertrand. And I think it's amazing that he attended, uh, you know, the conference, which was for me, that picture was a role model for me as a picture, 1927 Solvay conferences, and can be seen in what's known now as the most intelligent picture ever taken with Marie Curie, obviously, who was one of my role models, Albert Einstein, and all these great scientific minds of the time. I know he, 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 he was, or I heard that he was an important role model for you. What did you learn from him? What do you remember from him? I remember a very nice and warm grandfather because uh, I was four years old when he passed away. So I did not remember any discussions with him. Yeah. I remember when I was on his laps, that he was taking me in his arms. <laughs> and uh, all the rest I know from him is what my father told me, what I read in the books, what I read in the newspapers. And he was more than just an explorer with a stratospheric balloon in the Batis cave. Yeah. He was such an inventor, such a yeah. high-level scientist. He, he is the one who discovered the uranium-235, wow. who made the most precise scale, the most precise a seismograph of this time, and then invented the Batiscave, and then invented the pressurized cabin, and went to the stratosphere, opening the way to modern aviation. So it's true that for me, it was incredible to see all what he achieved, but being so modest, so humble. Yeah. Uh, you know, when someone asked him, but are you not afraid to go so high? He said, oh, no, not at all. Because, you know, uh, statistically, nobody ever stayed there. They all come down once. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was so, so funny. He had some sense of humor. <laughs> right. Uh, great attributes of leadership uh, is to explore, take risks, but also stay humble. Um, he, he actually, you know, inspired Hergé, right? In the Professor Tournesol. Is that right, uh, Bertrand? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, Hergé, <laughs> the, the author of Tintin, yeah. um, uh, explained by the end of his life all his sources of inspiration. Yeah. And he made that very famous interview where he explained why he took my grandfather, Auguste, as the role model for, for, for Tintin <laughs> and for, for Tournesol, Professor Calculus. Yeah. Tornes and yeah, he said yeah. uh, Auguste Picard was the archetype of the scientist. Yeah. And uh, he wanted to use it for calculus. But he said, I, have, I had to draw a small uh, Picard because he was too big for the pages of my book. So I had to reduce his size and, and draw a mini <laughs> Picard. <laughs> so now, Bertrand, I'd like to obviously jump to your own adventures and particularly your incredible journey around the world in the Solar Impulse Plane. I know uh, our listeners would love to hear about the flight, but first, let's start with the point when you came up with the idea. How, how did it start and what it took to make that idea reality? Because I've heard you and you told me how, many, how so many people told you, listen, it was impossible. And even those who followed you say, it's impossible, but we're going to do it. Um, so help us understand when did it start and how you could make the impossible possible? Yes. You, you know, I love 
to try something impossible because it attracts all the talents, all the skills <laughs> people in the team. This is fantastic. If you announce a very easy project, yeah. you have dull people who come or lazy people who come and they say, oh, it's going to be easy. It's not challenging. But if you announce something impossible, all the people who want to solve problems, who want to bring solutions, who want to invent, they all come. And this is how you make the impossible possible. And this is what happened with SolarPulse, a fantastic team. So, but of course, what you asked me is, how, what was the trigger for it? And it was a moment in the Egyptian desert, just after the landing wow. of the Breitling Orbiter 3 balloon. I had flown with Brian Jones, my friend from Great Britain, mm -hmm. 20 days nonstop around the world in a mm -hmm. balloon, 45,000 kilometers. And we started with 3.7 tons of liquid propane. And at the end, when we landed, there was 40 kilos left. Wow. And that's really the moment where you start to understand the value of energy and also how fragile it is to rely on fossil energy. Yeah. Because fossil energy is not unlimited. You always have an end to it. And when yeah. the tank is empty, you stop or you fall down from the sky or you have humankind in trouble, as we see now with the war in Russia. Yeah. So this is the moment where I thought, okay, I made the longest flight ever in the history of aviation with propane. Mm -hmm. Now I will try to do it without fuel, completely clean and have a solar powered airplane that would be a demonstrator of how to achieve the impossible thanks to renewable energy and clean technologies. And this yeah. is really how the story started. It's fascinating. And I think um, the future and the present today just make you so right, right, as everybody now is talking about clean mobility, etc. But we'll come to that. And by the way, I'm, I've been stealing something I heard from you. Uh, you. You told me if everyone tells you that something is possible, that means that your dreams are not big enough. So I love that <laughs> sentence. So yeah. it must have been such an incredible experience making that journey, Bertrand. And then you have a co-pilot, André Borchberg. Tell us more about what that was like for you, for your co-pilot? How did you go along with each others? How did you find each others? Help me understand how you built that team. It was very important for the success of this project to have the perfect relation between Audrey Borchberg and I. And we were very different. He's an engineer and a jet fighter pilot I'm a balloonist and a psychiatrist. <laughs> we could not be more different. Yeah. And during the feasibility study that was run at the EPFL, the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, each time we had to say something, we said the opposite. <laughs> and we were looking that, at each that's other. That's real complementarity and diversity of I, thoughts. <laughs> it was unbelievable. If, if I was saying yes, he was saying no or the opposite. And, and we were laughing <laughs> and we funny. started to... Yeah, and we started to think, okay, why do you think this way? And why yeah. do I think this yeah. way? And what can I learn from you? And what can you learn from me? And we started to develop a relation where one plus one equals three. His experience, my experience, and the third experience that we were building together and that none of us could have had without the other one. 
And this was the relation, the experience, this number three, uh, yeah. that made us so innovative. Yeah. Because alone, I could never have done this project. Yeah. Alone, Audrey could have never done it. But mm -hmm. together, we had this spirit of just challenging all our habits, all our beliefs, all our certitudes. And that was contagious because we, we gave that to the team. And in the team, we had very, very different people also. And they were all allowed to criticize what Audrey and I were saying to say, look, we have another experience. We have another solution. Let's talk about it. And we could always include new experiences into, into the discussions. And that, yeah. and that was, that was absolutely yeah. crucial because, yeah. you know, uh, we had to do an airplane that was completely outside of the norms of <laughs> aircraft constructors. Yeah. And this is why they told us it's impossible because mm -hmm. They showed us, look, if an airplane is small, it, it has to be light. Mm -hmm. If an airplane is big, it has to be heavy. And your airplane doesn't fit in the curve. Your airplane is big and light. So mm -hmm. it's not possible. Wow. Can you imagine? They were so stubborn. Unbelievable. And we Unbelievable. had to make an airplane that never yeah. existed before. The yeah. size of a jumbo jet, even bigger than a jumbo jet, <laughs> and lighter than a family car. And yeah. the power to fly around the world yeah. was the power of a scooter. Wow. It's really amazing. And I'm sure you, you never stop, by the way, right, Bertrand? So to celebrate the anniversary of Solar Impulse Flight, you flew together with André in an electric airplane. What is the future of electric flight, in your opinion? You know, when I was flying with André in the electric plane for the fifth anniversary of the flight around the world, Yeah. What was really powerful in the message we gave was the fact that Solar Impulse was not just an experimental airplane for an adventure that had no future. It was the start, the beginning of a new way to think about flying and to be able to fly electric, to fly without noise, to fly without pollution is is something that has to be taken seriously today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. when we speak of electric aviation, people have to understand that it's not only with batteries. It's not only with solar energy. It can be with hydrogen, for example, yeah. because the hydrogen yeah. can go into a fuel cell mm -hmm. and this electricity given by the fuel cell through, with the hydrogen is running an electric engine. And an electric engine is twice the efficiency of a thermal engine sometimes even three or four times if you compare with a car. But if you compare with a turbine, it's about twice more efficient. So you need less energy to fly the same, the same trip. So electric aviation, I think, is something that really has a future. And you see a hybrid. So you talked about the hydrogen, you're right. Uh, everybody now. Hydrogen, hy yeah. yeah. Hy hy green hydrogen runs electric green hydro engines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and for instance, Airbus also recently had a plane taking off with cooking oil. You heard that, Bertrand, which shows the promise of uh, another way of sustainable aviation fuel. So what, what you are telling us is there are different methods of emission-free flight, right? So you, you see it as a hybrid or you see one technology in one way winning against the others? It depends on the size of the airplane and the weight. I believe small airplanes to go on aero clubs for training pilots 
uh, that will be with batteries, electric airplane with batteries. And maybe this will go to 10 or 20 passengers. Then I think for bigger planes, uh, it won't be batteries. Uh, it will be sustainable aviation fuel or uh, biofuel, or it can be electrofuel, or yeah. it can be hydrogen. Yeah. And these type of fuels can go to quite big airplanes. Yeah. Now, what I think, and let's imagine the future in a very disruptive way. If you want to fly very long distance, instead of flying in the atmosphere or in the stratosphere where you have some resistance, you can fly in space. It means, yeah. it means you can do a parabolic flight. You take off from Paris or Brussels, like a rocket, you mm -hmm. shut down the engine after 15 minutes, you are zero gravity, parabolic wow. flight, and you land after an hour and a half or two hours in, uh, in Australia. So these type of things could also save a lot of energy, a lot of fuel. And we have to, to think big and to dream big yeah. because these type of things are not happening yet, but we should include it into the vision of sustainable aviation. Yeah, I love it actually. I hope I can see it in my in my life on Earth. So, um, oh, you, so are, you are much younger than me. You are much younger than me. So of course you get this. And I hope you do. I hope you do. Yeah. So you might. Uh, do you have any exciting new adventures on the horizon you can share with our audience? Yes, it has not been officially announced yet, but it wow. is not a secret. It's not a secret. Um, I'm working on two big projects today. Uh, one is a solar airship, like a Zeppelin, 150 meters long, yeah. fully solar, uh, that will be able to drive uh, electric engines and to fly around the world nonstop, only on renewable energy with absolutely no fuel. And this will be for the first time because Breitling Orbiter burns some fuel propane, although it was nonstop. Solar Impulse had no fuel, but we had to make some stopovers. So the next step that is obvious is to fly nonstop around the world with zero emissions, just renewable energy. That would be a fantastic journey to speak to schools, to universities, to governments, and uh, promote all the solutions to protect the environment. The second project that will be maybe a couple of years later is a hydrogen airplane uh, for two-seater, fully clean also, green hydrogen, and to fly around the world. You will say, I always love to fly around the world, but it's true. I love to fly around the world because it's the ultimate flight you can do. You cannot do more and yeah. cannot do better. And if you want to prove the maturity of a new, clean, and sustainable technology, I think it's the, the best way to do so this is what I'm working on. And uh, meanwhile, I continue with the Solar Impulse Foundation mm -hmm. to select all the solutions that can protect the environment, that can be economically viable. And now we work on their implementation to push them on the markets, to motivate the governments, motivate the big corporations to use all these new solutions that yeah. can help us to, to be carbon neutral. But you know that's, you know yeah. that Ilan, I know, and, and a lot yeah. of these solutions come also from Solvay. We have labeled them. You continue to support me uh, with Solvay and support the Solar Impulse yeah. Foundation. And, so I'm and, very grateful. And, 
and frankly, you support us as well because you are, I mean, this podcast is about the, the power of the end, A&D. Uh, and I always said we can be sustainable and profitable, right? We can, you know, we, we can do that. And that's exactly what you are doing with the Solar Imper Solutions. You put out a call for thousands and I think by now you have over 1,500 or, you know, something like that, right, Bertrand? Yes, 1,450. Yeah. That's it. So. Yeah. But, but uh, tell us a good anecdote, uh, maybe one innovative solution you've seen in the projects far away from aviation, which stuck with you. One of the first solutions that we have selected uh, is a startup in France who recovers the heat from the chimney of the, of the factories to reuse that heat in the factory. And I wow. like that example very yeah. much because yeah. it's obvious. It's not very high-tech. It's just common sense. But since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, people don't understand that it's not only smoke going out of the chimney, it's also heat that is lost. That means energy that is wasted and a higher energy bill at the end. So that's an example where you have profitability and sustainability. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So, and so the end... The yeah. end, A and Z is so important yeah. because yeah. it has yeah. to be inclusive. Today in our world, yeah. we are splitting people apart far too much. Yeah. You have the yeah. left and the right. You have the yeah. ecology and the industry. You have the uh, philanthropy and finance. Well, everything has to go together. We need yeah. to bring people together. Big corporations have solutions that will help the ecologists and the green parties to protect the environment and it will create jobs and it will increase the purchase power of the people. And if we don't federate people together, uh, we will never have a, have a success. So, so I love the title of your, your podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's amazing what you are saying. You say this actually when you brought your team together uh, and you said we had di diversity of thoughts complementarity of competencies and it was important for you to be inclusive so that power of the end is important uh, and probably many people by now know that you are also a doctor psychologist but you are also a writer <laughs> writing many books and I want to talk about your latest book uh, Realist yeah. uh, Soyons Logique Autant qu'écologique or in English Uh, let's be logical as well as ecological. And that's also, it's, it's about the power of the end, right? That's even right there in the title, logical and ecological. And the book is really fantastic. And I love the way you talk about how saving our planet is not necessarily an exercise in self-flagellation, right? So can you tell our listeners more about the book? Why a book? Because I gave a lot of speeches. I gave a lot of interviews. But I also needed something that would be a reference that would include everything I believe and everything I want to transmit. And in the book, is something that stays longer than interviews or, 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 or speeches. And um, I wanted in this book to show that everybody can find an advantage in the protection of the environment. The ecologists, the industrials, The, the financial people, the population, the political uh, authorities, we all have an advantage. But if we only see our own advantage 
at the detriment of the others will never succeed. But if we try to find the advantage of all of the actors, we will yeah. succeed. And yeah. everybody will be stronger than before. And, um, you know, that's uh, one of the big yeah. rules is yeah. that if you only look yeah. at your own interest, you will fail. If you look at the yeah. common interest, everybody will, will succeed. And I wanted to show that we can change the narrative of the protection of the environment. Until now, ecology was presented as something that was expensive, that was boring, that was threatening, reducing economical growth, mobility, comfort, and so on. And it creates a lot of resistance, a lot of opposition. But we can change the narrative and present ecology as something exciting, economically viable, bringing people together, creating jobs. And, and then ecology starts to be the most fantastic adventure of the 21st century, bringing everybody together in the common goal to succeed. Absolutely. And it makes sense for humanity and it makes sense in, in, indeed for the pockets as well if you do it right. So it has to be viable economically. And I mean, I can just recommend the book. But you also, what's amazing with you is, again, I say you never stop, <laughs> unstoppable explorer, but you also bring interesting initiatives. I, I saw in France, it's called Pré à Voter or Voter Ready, which is about taking many of these existing sustainable and profitable solutions as a starting point to guide legislation. And you told me one day, now I'm taking my luggage and I'm going around the world to convince the big head of states and policymakers that the solution they do exist, they should use them they should promote them tell us more about that and do you think it could be implemented in many countries including you know emerging countries or in africa yes absolutely uh, this campaign started with a big question i had we identified 1450 solutions that exist today that are economically profitable, that protect the environment, available for everyone, and they are not used. People don't even know them. People keep on speaking about problems instead of speaking about solutions. And I started to think, why is it like this? And I saw that one big obstacle for the, the global deployment of efficient solutions mm -hmm. is the outdated mm -hmm. regulations and legislations. The legal framework today is still adapted to the polluting technologies we had 50 or 100 years ago. So we have to modernize the legal framework as much as we already have modernized the technology. So we took 50 examples of solutions where there is an, a legal obstacle for their deployment. Mm -hmm. And these 50 recommendations explain very clearly mm -hmm. with 50 examples there is a solution for this. It is economically viable. It protects the environment, but there is an obstacle to the deployment. And we suggest that you change the regulation in this precise way to make this solution implemented everywhere in France. And uh, I presented that already to the president of the Sustainable Development Commission of the French Parliament. And he was very happy. He said, this is exactly what we need. This is called the uh, participative democracy yeah. where the population comes with mm -hmm. suggestions and uh, uh -huh. i hope that the different parts of the parliament 
are going really to to see that it's their own advantage for every party to work on that and to to vote the, these changes in regulations because we are not suggesting to make uh, tough regulations to make punishments and so on. No, it's just no, to allow yeah, yeah, to allow yeah. things to happen to modernize yeah. the regulation in order to have more modern solutions be used everywhere and this is for the advantage of of everyone. Yeah, and make, you know, change policies and regulation to become an enabler because one of the challenges in the industry, and believe it or not, the limitation is often permitting and the length of permitting and the admin work. So I think if if policymakers, and you are doing a great job, but bring it to Belgium and elsewhere. So don't stay in France. I'm sure you you will not. Tell me now, interesting, we're getting to the end of our podcast. Um, as I said, you are a doctor, you said it, you are a psychologist, and I heard you talk about how that helps you understand how people can often be a bit fearful of change or going into the unknown. Can you tell us how that background has affected your thinking and your work? When I was practicing psychotherapy uh, with private patients, I was always stunned to see how, how much reluctant they were to change. They were coming to see me because there was a big change or a crisis in their lives. And they mm -hmm. were coming and say, I don't want to change. I want to recover what I had before. <laughs> and uh, of course, it's not possible. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what I was doing was to use hypnosis to show them a positive future that was including the change that they needed to implement. Wow. And this is so interesting because you, you visualize another yeah. future. And yeah, you visualize yeah, yeah. how much yeah. better it will be thanks yeah. to the change that you have to, to, to go to. Yeah. So you have the motivation to change. You have the yeah. confidence to change. But of course, you have to go with them. You have to accompany them. You cannot let them alone. So I know now that there are many young people, and not so young, by the way, who are really inspired by you and would like to become explorers, entrepreneurs, you know, go into policymakers and change the world. What advice would you give them? I would like to advise them to always go behind the scene. Always go beyond the official way of thinking. Behind the politically correct, the statistically proven and reproducible, the scientific proofs. Uh, always try to challenge the status quo. If you hear someone speaking, try to understand what there is behind. If you see two people making a debate, don't listen so much to the one with whom you agree. Try to listen to the one with whom you disagree. And you start mm -hmm. to try to understand what is his vision of the world. You know, always go into what is not obvious. And always keep this compass where the needle is showing the unknown, the doubts, the question marks, the uncertainties, because it's the only way to stimulate our performance and our creativity. If we live in the routine, if we live in what we know, we don't need to be creative and innovative. But when we are in, phase, in front of a big doubt, a big question mark, then we're obliged to start to think again. We're obliged to invent. We're obliged to find an answer. And it's a, I, I would, always, I, I would al almost say it's a decision of what type of life we want to have. 
Do we want to have an easy life that is maybe smooth at the beginning, but we lose control because it doesn't depend on us anymore? Or do we want to be responsible of our lives, to invent our future? Yeah. So own it, raise the bar, don't fear, you know, go to the unknown. Science is about confronting the unknown and, you know, what is the reality today can be challenged tomorrow. So you invite us on doing more of this and, and owning it. So what's an inspiration? One last question, uh, Bertrand, uh, finishing with fun like I started. I know that you are an avid kite surfer, which looks so fun. Where do you kite surf and what's, what is it like to be out there on the waves? My favorite place is in Dakhla, in southern ah. Morocco. <laughs> yes, That's close to my home. This is my home. <laughs> Absolutely. In the south of Morocco, oh, wow. uh, there is a laguna with yeah. constant winds. And yeah, I go there nice. almost each year and I have friends yeah. there. And, uh, you know, you, it, it's, it's a mix of flying and sailing yeah. because you yeah. have your your sail in the sky, so it's like yeah. a paraglider, but you are yeah. gliding on the water. So yeah. it's fly and sail together. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the, the power of the end. Thank you so much, Bertrand. Thank you for being here today. You are pleasure, one Inam. of the pleasure. most inspiring leaders I met in my life, encouraging Thank all of you. us to take risk, go into the unknown and discover a new show how we can make the impossible possible by tapping into the power of the end. Thank you very much, Bertrand. Thank you so much for everything we shared together. We shared in the past and we will continue to share together. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information or to listen to other episodes, visit our website. And if you like these podcasts, don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, be safe.